So now we're back for another week of Sports Talk. The Sports Back Bros is on the air. What is going on? What's up? How's your weekend? Hey, the weekend, more sports regardless. Football, baseball, basketball, both college and pro. A lot going on. I mean, you, you have your your pick of what you're interested in. If you're a hockey fan, that's there. Baseball, even in the hot stove, you're there. Come on now. I just want to say, I don't know if you have it on the agenda. Uh, prayers up to Travis Jordan. He's out for the season, suffered yeah. that terrible injury. Uh, prayers up. Good luck to you, brother. Yeah, man, I wanted to mention something about Travis Jordan because at the end of the day, it's still sports. Regardless of what fan you are of a team, even if it's your rival or biggest rival, normal people don't wish ill will on players like that. And regardless of what happened when we were in Tallahassee, win or loss, you know, you, you don't want to see something like that. And now in the following week, a game that was supposed to have been a throwaway game, maybe even a game for him to showcase that he still belongs, at least mentioned in the Heisman Trophy race against North Alabama, which used to be a dominant Division II program, he gets one of the most grotesque injuries of the year. You never want to come up with something like that. Left in yeah. an aircast, and now he go, goes out today. He talks about how his career with Florida State is over, which it is. And mm -hmm. let's hope that he has his opportunities in the NFL because he will not be at the combine more than likely. Well, definitely won't be at the combine. And right. but uh, gotta worry about getting getting healthy first, and then. Yeah. But you know what? The reason why I mentioned mentioned it because you know that's the next level these kids want to go right. through, and you know that even though this is one of the worst injuries you could probably expect from any player, he still thinks that he wants to go back and play. He does want to play, but it's going to be if he's physically able. Willis McGay, he pops to mind when something like that comes up. What happened with him in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State in the national championship game? One of the worst injuries. I thought his career was over. He was so good that year. He still went in the first round. Yeah, that injury was grotesque also. Yeah. When we come back the way he did, man, that was amazing. To be – you know what? I, I think, what, Drew Steinberg um, – well, Drew Rosenberg? Uh, what's his name? The Rosenhaus. Agent. Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus, that was his agent. And I think he got a lot more popularity because of that when he signed – when he was able to still make him a first-round draft pick because even as good as he was and you saw the injury, there's no way you could think that he was going to come back regardless of how technology was and medicine was, you know, afterwards. You just – no way would think that we should use our first rounder on him. And he became a successful first-round pick even after missing the entire first season. Right. I'm sure when most people saw that accident – accident that injury a lot of us thought oh his career is over or he's not he's going to be a, a shell of his former self absolutely but i mean he may not have made it back 100 percent, but man he was still a hell of a ball player he, man, like i said it was amazing i gave drew rosenhouse a lot of credit man because this guy was out there pimping and pimping he couldn't go to the combine the last thing you can remember of him was getting injured all of those games that he had played beforehand when he and Ken Dorsey were duo Heisman Trophy candidates coming from Miami that year, he obviously stood on his own accord. He finally started getting it together against that great-ass Ohio State defense, and then that happened. He finally started getting his footing, and then that happened. But either way, he was able to go to the draft, got himself drafted in the first round, had a still a damn good career. I mean, still yeah. a damn good career. And Jordan Travis, not exactly the same skill set, definitely not the same position, which may work in his benefit because he's not a running back taking a pounding every time. He's a quarterback, 
and you can drop back, you know, when it's time to drop back with a better knee. And hopefully he gets his opportunities. You know, in my opinion, he was probably a third rounder, fourth rounder, possibly anyways. But who the hell am I? Now, <clears throat> agent. Uh, but a damn good value pick if he is a free agent. You know, when Tua Tagovailoa uh, injured his hip, yeah, I thought I thought he might be done because you know, I, the only other person I I knew of that had a hip injury like that was Bo Jackson. Ugh. He didn't come close to playing no, football. He was very limited as a baseball player. He played some outfield, but he was more so a DH. Yeah. But the way Tua has come back, you know. He's not a running quarterback, but I, I he's exceeded my expectations for him for him since that accident. I just thought Tua was a cerebral quarterback. The he was a cerebral quarterback to me, still is in my opinion. He has the athleticism to still run when you're not expecting that. A lot like uh, Jalen Hurts, when, you know, at Carolina now, where he's not playing well at Carolina, but when he was at Alabama as well. He, you know, he, you would automatically assume that he'd be a running quarterback, which he wasn't. That's why I thought he would be a failure until I went up to Atlanta and saw him play in Miami. And he just diced them up and then pretty much did it to everybody else afterwards. Didn't get a championship, but certainly highlighted his skills enough, even as a little bit of an undersized quarterback, to make himself the number one pick overall in the draft. He went to a pretty bad team and, you know, he's not looking good right now. But either way, yeah, Tua was more cerebral, had a bit of athleticism, underrated athleticism. But in the NFL, still able to identify the pocket the way he can and still able to make the throws that he needs to make, read the defenses the way he needs to, and the, as goes he as a goal of the Dolphins. Yeah, and the reason I thought he'd be limited is because you need your legs to, oh, absolutely. to, pass, to throw a ball. You need your hips. You know, you got to yeah. have that torque and twist. Um, it, but for, for him to bounce back the way he has – as I already said, he he surpassed my expectations of what he'd be able to be to to accomplish. Yeah, this is someone I've rooted for since he was in high school because even when he came to Alabama early and he was going against Jalen Hurts with Jalen Hurts, who was the incumbent at the time, I was already saying, man, put him in in front of Hurts. People didn't want to hear it in the beginning. And that spring, he looked better as a true freshman than Hurts, who's already had opportunities in the national championship game. And then as it eventually played out, he became the guy. When Hurts wasn't effective, he came in, game-winning touchdown, the rest is over. And right. But, hey, they ended up both being pretty damn good quarterbacks right now in the NFL. But still, with Jordan Travis, man, how you hate seeing that for, for any player, regardless. You hate quarterback, running back. It just happens to be him. And even more so, in a throwaway game. I know you don't want to say a throwaway game, but this is the time of year, especially in the SEC, when you have these – of throwaway games, but he's an ACC player doing the same thing against North Alabama. They were down a little bit, but they came back and won the game. Man, and Jordan, now they got they got leapfrog by Washington. Um, they're going to be on the outside looking in, unfortunately, unless his replacement comes in and does a Tom Brady or something. But you know, I don't see and, and that's true because they're now playing Louisville, who ended up beating the Miami Hurricanes in Miami. This past weekend, Miami's just doing it to a four-game losing streak, bro. They just got a—they're on a, a the giant slalom of wins and losses, and this is losses going all the way down. I, I don't see what's going on with this team, but I understand they're actually a better team than last season. It's just that the consistency isn't there. But I think once they get the things they need in place, remember 
Tyler Van Dyke is not Mario Cristobal's guy. Mario Cristobal's guy has an arm injury right now, Emory Williams, and he'll be back next year, hopefully back by spring training, spring camp, and everything will be a little better and a little clearer. Even as a redshirt junior, Tyler Van Dyke, I don't think he comes back next season. Not on the Mario Cristobal. I just can't see that happen. He either goes to the NFL or he probably goes to the transfer portal. There were stories this past offseason with him possibly going to Alabama. Well, they don't need him now, and they didn't need him then. So um, he'll find a home, though, somewhere. They, they probably have a couple more losses had he transferred to Alabama. Oh, you know what? The way things turned out, and th I still believe this is Nick Saban's best coaching job he's done, regardless of where he's been, even including Michigan State. What he's done here at Alabama with that triumvirate of quarterbacks coming out with the lead dog with Jalen Milrow, who looked ridiculously bad last year, nothing but a running back that just throws halfback options to victory if he can get him. In the beginning of the season, a lot of that, but now he played to Jalen's strength. Jalen himself put in that work to work on his passing. Now he's a pain in the ass, and no one wants to deal with him at the right time. Right. And, you know, if they keep rolling, they'll – Probably meet up with Georgia more than likely. Yeah, they and are. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game for Georgia. I don't think it's, they're going to be a pushover by oh, anyone. No. As long as that Alabama defense still stays what it is right now, that defense is saving their ass this whole season up until Moreau was able to get up to speed with his offense. And now the offense will be coming to pain, and the defense is already great. However, Georgia now. It's looking like they deserve to be the number one team, and they are, because Carson Beck is now looking like a quarterback who's capable against teams on the road and teams at home. He was able to win the game against a very good Missouri team in Athens, and now he went on the road to Knoxville, took on Tennessee, and looked very damn good against Tennessee. I was surprised against that, even though that same Tennessee team lost to Missouri just last week, the previous game. But, yeah, Carson Beck, he's up for the challenge now, and he has even more weapons. I mean, uh, uh, Brock Bowers is back. You know, Lat McConkey's back. Uh, his past receiver, I just his name just slipped from me right now. He just got a, another receiver who's now standing up. <laughs> Those boys are there to stay. They're now penciled in for the SEC championship game against Alabama. That's going to be serious business. But before that business can be handled, they have to take on a sneaky-ass, pain-in-the-ass Georgia Tech team in Atlanta, and Alabama has to play the Iron Bowl this Saturday against Auburn, which is never easy. Um, what do you think if uh, if either Michigan or Ohio State win fairly easily? You think they leapfrog? See, this here's the issue right here. One of the most insignificant pieces of sports news came out today that uh, uh, Ohio State leapfrog Michigan. So – I mean, <laughs> they got to play each other. It doesn't matter. And so I'm thinking these two, they play one when they play one another, which they will do on Saturday. I mean, well, let's be hypothetical because I think it's almost impossible to have a blowout one way or the other. But if it's a close game, you know, one doesn't drop too far out. I mean, does, and I think it'll, it'll come down to Big Ten championship games, you know, depending for the rest of the story to kind of play out. But, um, uh, you know, if one gets blown out now, that kind of eliminates the one who got blown out, I think. And, and it makes it it makes work easier for the boys in the committee with the college football playoffs. Now, Washington sneaking themselves in there. And as you said already, it makes things difficult for Florida State, even if they do beat Louisville in the ACC championship game, 
which now gets that much difficult, more difficult since Jordan Travis is out. Right. Um, I, I think it would be very frustrating, but it's very understandable. If the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, they only dropped to four, Florida State stays at five, undefeated. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll have a, a big time great, but then again, you know, you lose your quarterback. Um, but then you can point to uh, the 90s, Nebraska, Tommy Frazier went down. Yeah. Berenger went down. They had their walk on quarterback, Matt Terman, uh, start against Kansas State and beat him. Luckily, Brooke Berenger was able to come back, and then mm-hmm. Tommy Frazier came back for the championship game. But um, I don't, I don't know if Florida State has those guys. You know, I don't think so either. I mean, when we went to the game, just what now a week ago, two weeks ago, people in the stands that were sitting around us. Obviously, we are Dope Campbell Stadium, and we have nothing but Florida State fans around us. This isn't just Miami fans feeling bitter or saying stupid things. These are other Florida State fans that was saying that Florida State probably wouldn't beat Georgia, wouldn't beat Michigan, wouldn't beat Alabama. And I believe they wouldn't. They look good, and they happen to play in the ACC. It's just that Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Georgia are better, in my opinion, from the eyeball test. And, you know, and it's good that they're undefeated right now, but we've seen this story before with undefeated teams. Uh, This is a different landscape, but undefeated teams not winning a national championship. Was it Penn State back in 1995? You know, they beat Oregon in the Rose Bowl undefeated, didn't win the national championship. You know, I, I think Nebraska won it that year. And, and rightfully so, though. You know, and I know they're Penn State fans. Look at the record. Look at the schedule. I understand. But I also understand why Nebraska won, because they ended up dominating, you know, what the previous season, too. Beating Oregon in the Rose Bowl or beating Miami in the Orange Bowl? In the right? Orange Bowl, which is home. Right. You know, Road so, game. Road game in the bowl game. You know what I mean? So... You know, but you get the story, but that's exactly what happens. You can have an undefeated team that puts up an excellent season and they just don't get it. Right now, we have an embarrassment of undefeated teams. You know, this late, and you're talking about the top heavy people in contention where the top five teams are undefeated teams right now. Between Florida State, Washington, we still have Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. Five top undefeated teams, but things have to shake out one way or another. Right. Auburn going to do their usual upset of Alabama because that happens on occasion. <laughs> Alabama has a great team. Auburn can have a mediocre team and they can still give problems to Alabama. I've seen it back in what with 90, 92, I believe, 93, when Alabama, 92, when Alabama won the national championship, they beat Auburn, which was 5 5 and 1 in Pat Dye's last game, I believe, 17 0. That's it. You was expecting a lot more than that, but that rivalry, I still believe, is the best rivalry in college football. You so have a more recent example, though? You said what? You have a more recent example, though. I mean, you're talking 30-some years ago. Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying, but that was a tough game, and then the game in which they beat I know what you're Auburn. saying. I'm just saying. Just, well, and another game recently when Auburn beat Alabama, and then Auburn got beat by Central Florida and gave Central Florida at least somewhat of a claim to claim they were national champs. Because Alabama ended up winning the national championship, so that was just three years ago. Yeah, but Auburn wasn't terrible like they were. You know what? Auburn wasn't terrible, but they weren't expected to beat Alabama either. You know, because Alabama with Nick Saban, hardly anyone. They they didn't lose to a five-five and one team as well. No, 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 they weren't going to be that bad. And if Auburn was, look, this team right here that Auburn has just lost in New Mexico State. 
All right. They just lost New Mexico State this past week on the plains in Auburn. You know, and um, Diego Pavia, that's a guy I've been watching for like a couple years now. He's not going to see the light of day on the NFL field, the quarterback for New Mexico State. But that dude's fun as hell to watch, man. He's a little pudgy dude. <laughs> he just makes things happen, man. That dude's out there just slinging the ball. He, he reminds me of a kid named Bruce Eugene who played years ago for Grambling, about 5'10", 240 pounds. <laughs> the kid from Kentucky. What is his name? Lorenzen or something? Oh, Jared Lorenzen. Yeah, the lefty. Yeah, that he dude passed just... away. Oh, did he? Yeah, he passed away a few years ago. Oh, that's that unfortunate. Great, man. Yeah, but he was he was like a defensive tackle lining up behind center, man. But he was a beast, though. He was a hell of a he hell was. quarterback. I think that was how Mummy's offense he was running. And, bro, he was he was a hell of a quarterback behind him. And he could run a little bit. The dude was like 10 to 300 pounds. He's a, the, the round mound or whatever the hell they want to call him. It wasn't rebounds. <laughs> it was just, yeah. He got it off of him. But, man, Gerald Lorenzo was something, man. But, yeah, man, the kid died, I can't remember, about five, six years ago maybe. But, yeah, he had, he had that perpetual weight issue, as we could see, while he was playing. You know, the Giants gave him a shot. You know, he played a little bit in the NFL. But, Did he? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, with the Giants. And, you know, but – and everybody liked him, man. If you talked, spoke to anybody about this guy and it wasn't even about the jokes, it was about, yo, you know, he was a, just a cool, a cool dude. You never had any bad things to say about him off the field. Or nothing like that. And on the field, you know, he wasn't a jerk. He was just a hell of a competitor. Just a big competitor. No pun intended. <laughs> big competitor. That's, it sounded like a pun. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nothing intended, though. But, yo, <clears throat> Michigan, they lose ground because they lose to Maryland. Now, that Maryland team is not a bad freaking team. Uh, they gave Ohio State some problems just a couple of weeks ago, and it took Michigan a little bit of time. They lose? They, no, they won the game. You said because they lost to Maryland. Oh no, they um they played um no they played Ohio State. I meant they lost played Ohio State. They lost to Ohio State, and then you know now Michigan was behind. I mean Michigan had some trouble with them. Michigan right. eventually won the game, but you know they did it without Harbaugh. So how do you look at this? Do you give them any credit? Do you put that human element in there and instead of letting the, letting the computers decide who's better because your head coach isn't there, which does matter on the sidelines, but at the same time, when you have as much talent as they have, does it really matter when you have other coaches who know the system as well? Well, that's why I asked you if one team wins fairly decisively, because I'm thinking it's possible for Ohio State. Um, if I'm, I'm not sure who's running the sidelines for Michigan, but if they can't match Pat Day, you know, Ohio State maybe can pull away with an easy victory. Whew, you know, that's – I think talent for talent, they're so equal right now. And the quarterback who's been there before, J.J. McCarthy, you know, he's out of the Heisman race. He, he puts up fairly pedestrian numbers of, as of late, and the numbers don't normally show you how good he does play, how well he plays, because he's, he's quick, he's fast, and he's accurate most of the time. You know, and I think he's a great cog for their offense, and he's the reason why it goes, even with, though Corum is a – Damn good running back. It's still J.J. McCarthy. But in Ohio State, their quarterback, Kyle McCord, just starting to get his sea legs, now looking like a quarterback who knows the system well enough. We already know what the deciding factor is. Just throw it to Marvin Harrison Jr., who may be the number one pick overall in the 2024 draft. And then their defense. I mean, it, it, 
it's going to be take the under. <laughs> Just take the under. I'm thinking Ohio State still loses only because Michigan is at Michigan this year. I don't know. I'm going with Ohio State. I think all things probably just missing missing hardball. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't really need it against Maryland. Penn State's a little bit limited. Um, you know, you saw the emotion from their coach. They had to be playing at a, at a high emotional level. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help them against Ohio State. No, you're it's gonna, not. You need your general, and right. he's not going to be there. Being in the confines of the big house, I think, does matter. We talk about how the big house isn't a big deal. But to those players, it's a big deal. And I guess with that rivalry, it becomes a bigger deal because of the rivalry. All other teams coming to the big house, you hear some noise. Not as much noise as you should hear from a 100,000-plus crowd, which they bring. But with this rivalry, one of the bigger rivalries, I still think Auburn-Alabama is the biggest rivalry, but who am I? I think this rivalry here with all that hanging out there, and I know the buzz is going on right now throughout the entire week. I think that's enough for Michigan, even without Harbaugh. And it's proving that they can do it. Remember, they're now America's team according to Harbaugh. <laughs> so, hey. I, I just think I, I don't think it'll be as big a factor as it normally would. You know, Ohio yeah. State was in the playoff game last year. Uh, you know, the, a regular season game is not going to compare to a playoff game as far as the atmosphere. No, no. Not at all. And I'm talking well, the regular season game in this rivalry, I think, is the bigger issue here. Yeah, I know it's not a regular, regular season game. It is the rivalry, but still, play, playoff game means way more. Yeah, it means more. I just still think that these kids, being who they are, a lot of these kids are local kids or kids that are familiar with the region. And in that region, it's still Ohio State and Michigan. And those kids have watched it since they were kids, and they probably have family members who watched it or even participated for all of these decades. So it means a lot more to them, this rivalry, not more than a championship should be, or even an opportunity at the playoffs. I'm just thinking that, you know, this is as good as it gets until the next best thing comes along. If there's an opportunity for it. So, yeah, I think that, um, it, I just got Michigan in this game here. So you and I are going to split on that one. You know, as far as you go with Ohio state, I'll take Michigan and we'll just see how it pans out. But again, Michigan had their struggles against Maryland. And it was a road game, getting back to friendly confines at home. 31-24, a little bit too close for comfort, and probably the biggest reason why they um they were not, you know, um, they dropped in the polls. And I, I look at, you know, there was no uh Jim Harbaugh, but there um there's no Jim Harbaugh. But on the other side, Michael Loxley, who may get somewhat of an ACC coach of the year award at some point, or and and Josh Gaddis, in fact, the offensive coordinator who had just left Miami was with Michigan before he left Miami. I mean, you had a lot of brain power in that in that Maryland room on that Maryland sideline and being at home, and Michigan still pulled it off. Yeah, okay. It was Maryland. They should have yeah. lost to Nebraska the week before. So. <laughs> Nebraska. <sighs> they, they were up against Wisconsin this past weekend until Wisconsin – they were up pretty good, wasn't it? 14 nothing at one point or 17 nothing? Yeah, they, they got up 14 zip and then yeah. they 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 started doing things. They weren't running the ball consistently. Uh they let Wisconsin back in it. Uh so they lost against Maryland. They had the ball at the five yard line. Score was tied 10-10. Instead of um being conservative, killing the clock, kicking the field goal, you know. 10 points, Maryland, they're in a, they, 
chances are they're not going to go down the field and score. They call a pass play. It's intercepted. Maryland goes down and kicks a, a field goal. They lose. This week, they're driving. They get the ball, I want to say, like the 32-yard line, and they just run the ball. They So they were cons- they were aggressive when they should have been conservative, and then they were conservative when they should have been aggressive in the game. They kicked the field goal, but it wasn't enough. Wisconsin came back and scored on them. So I, I don't know what Matt Rule's thinking is, or you want to say, well, maybe he's standing back letting the OC um, call the plays. But at some point, the head coach got to be like, yo, we want to punch this in. We don't want a field goal. Yeah, you, know, you can't win games like that. Oh, for this touchdown. So that, that, that's the disappointing thing. They, because if they're conservative the week before, they probably win that game 13-10. If they're aggressive this game, I can't say they would have scored, but they would have given themselves a better chance to score. No, they kicked the field goal to go into overtime. You don't play for a tie on the road. No, hell no. Overtime in, in, in Wisconsin, <laughs> you, you try and punch it in. You know, they Wisconsin had been shutting them down. Then they start moving the ball. They get a big play to get down there, and then they shut it down to kick the field goal. The clock was running. They weren't even calling the timeout. They could have called time. They had three timeouts. They could have called a timeout with like 50 seconds left. You know, call the out play, get the guy out of bounds. You know how 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 they do it. Yeah. But no, they let the clock run down. Uh, off tackle, second and eight. Timeout with 20 seconds. They let 40 seconds, 30 seconds, come off the clock, and they ran it again. They just they played for the tie. So. Again, coaching one on one would tell you you don't play for the tie on the road. Oh, you would think they would know that. Sometimes, like I, I mentioned so many times, these coaches who obviously know more than we know, but they make these decisions that seem like pretty obvious, but they go against what seems obvious because they're still busy trying to outsmart someone or show you how smart they are. But making the play. It could have been, well, we tried to score last week and he threw the interception. So. Let's just kick the field goal. But it's two opposite, it's two different situations. You know, I played a lot of blackjack. Yeah. And one thing I see people do, you know, there's a game called Spanish 21 where you you can have you have side bets. And but they don't play the side bets, but the card comes out and they would have won and they're like, oh, I didn't so then they play. Well, you think you're gonna win the next hand? You're just giving your money away, right? Or sometimes They'll hit on the 16. Sometimes they don't hit on the 16. You have to be consistent. If the dealer's showing the 10 and you have 16, more than chance, more than likely you you have a losing hand if you don't hit that 16. Because he's gonna flip a seven. You know, it, the, the odds tell you you have to hit 16 when the dealer's strong. But I see people, they mix it up. They do oh, they have a feeling, oh, I'm not, I'm a bust this time. And then the flip, the, the dealer flips that eight, and you lose 18, 16. You're going to lose anyway. It's all about the numbers, man. The numbers, not the feeling. What I'm saying, you got to, exactly, you got to be consistent in what you're doing. Well, that's not what's going on here, man. I don't, you know, I haven't kept up with Nebraska, but I've seen, I haven't watched the games like all season long, but I looked at the numbers and kind of looked at some of the highlights of what's been going on. 
And I'm like, I know that they have the right coach, in my opinion. You could probably give me a better idea if Matt Rule is going to be a good coach for them. I've seen Matt Rule as a good coach once upon a time, and I think he does have the ability. He's getting the recruiting together, which you need, the lifeblood of any college program. And this is just one of those process years. And next year with the transfer portal, and we've seen and we've talked about some of the recruits he's gotten since the season started and even before the season, and it looks like there's some promise there. And, yeah. you know, so it, it, <clears throat> it just is I agree. Point. I think he is the right guy. Um, they just need a quarterback and probably a couple linemen. Yeah. And defense, um, is, defense is playing some hard-ass defense. I think yeah. they've got more rest like the freaking Jets and other teams that have pretty bad offenses. If they're not out there all the time trying to save the team, get in the rest, they probably – you know, play even better than what they're playing if they had an offense that can just put up 25 points, 27 points. Right. So Nebraska fans, are they're frustrated. They're like, well, you can't go to the transfer portal. We got Jeff Sims from the transfer portal. <laughs> and I'm like, so that means you never get anybody from the transfer portal again because one guy didn't work out? Come on, man. Power. You never heard of try, try, try again? If you don't have the guy in your quarterback room already, you best go find one. Yep, and now it gives you the opportunity to find a player because I believe, what, 3,000-plus players went into the transfer portal last season, even almost just as many of the season before, so it's only getting bigger. So you might as well just go look for a player, shop, use it like Walmart. Don't be like Debo Sweeney and have too much pride so you can go into the locker room or go into your parents' house and during the recruiting period and talk about how I love these kids too much. I would never defy them. I'd go out somewhere else to replace them. Yes, you will, because you continue to lose now until you do it. <laughs> the big boys are doing it, including Georgia, even though Georgia doesn't do it a whole lot. Kirby Smart has an opportunity the way he is because he now has an established program where they're coming to him a lot like what happens with, with Saban. Players come to him as the Pied Piper, but these other coaches out there, big programs, doing exactly that. We look at Michael Penix, who plays for Washington, came from Illinois, the transfer portal. Caleb Williams came from, uh, came from uh, Oklahoma transfer portal following his coach, Lincoln Riley. So we've seen this type of thing happen. And speaking of these teams, Michael Penix playing with Washington, beating Oregon State in Corvallis, which isn't that hard, to, uh, that difficult, um, not that easy to do in this day and age. <laughs> it used to be easy. Now it isn't. They went 22 to 20. And Michael Penix, nothing spectacular. I think 13 to 28, about 180 some yards, two touchdowns. I don't think he's your Heisman Trophy candidate anymore, but hell, Washington is still undefeated. This is the first time they've been undefeated this late in the season since, what, 1990, when they did get a share of the national championship? Yeah, I don't remember another season since then. But as far as the Heisman, I don't really see anybody stepping up. I you know see what? people coming off, off Saturdays, if anything. You know, I, I know I, I, I've, as far as the numbers and watching the players, I now think it's becoming a little bit more clear if you put one name or another in there, no one can say really know if they've watched the college football and seen these same players. And for me, those two players, no running backs really, but these two players are uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU and Bo Nix from Oregon. Both of them kind of know their stat pattern this week with the cupcake team they're supposed to have. Uh, I think with um, uh, Jaden Daniels obviously had his bigger cupcake than what was happening with Bo Nix playing at Arizona State. But six touchdowns apiece for both of these guys, 12 touchdowns between them putting up ridiculous numbers. And but Bo Nix, in my opinion, I think he should get the nod over this because in his huge game against Washington, he still showed out. 
Whereas Jaden Daniels in his game against Alabama, well, until he got knocked out, he was okay. Yeah, you could be right. I forgot about Bo Nix's six uh, touchdowns. It must have been the opponent. It was out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, well, you're playing Arizona State. Isn't going to get anybody knocking on your door because Arizona State doesn't even know which quarterback they want to do. They had gone into the season with a true freshman quarterback in Rashada who came to Miami, left Miami, went to Florida. They couldn't cough up a couple of million dollars, so he went to Arizona State. His father's alma mater, so here he is. And then he gets injured, so there he went. So now it also, along with Arizona State's opportunities of winning with a bunch of Herm Edwards recruits still on that team and no Herm. But either way, man, I think those are the two guys. I think it's clear cut, and it may come down to just those two guys. If I had someone to pick, it would be Bo Nix, though. Not because I'm favoring him. Well, I am. I watched him since he was at Auburn. I liked him. I liked his father when he played at Auburn. But I've always thought he was a good player. Whatever happened with that legacy deal in Auburn to where he didn't stay and transferred way across the country, <clears throat> thrown as a quarterback, has a whole bunch of starts, the most starts, I think, in college football history because he's played forever. But um, either way, he only needs to win the Heisman as a collegiate player. I'm not going to predict what he does as a pro. He's the leader, in my opinion, in the clubhouse. So speaking of pros, how about your boy Trevor Lawrence running for a couple of touchdowns yesterday? Yeah, you know, it, every time I see Trevor Lawrence runs, it bugs me out because he's six foot six and he runs like a gazelle. And I'm always yeah. feeling like he's going to get broken up because those tall, slender guys, those <laughs> dudes in the NFL, when they have an opportunity to hit you, man, they want to put it on you. And he's one of these guys that goes in head first sometimes. He's not always trying to take the slide. He's, I don't think he's trying to pull how tough he is. He's just that competitive the way he just wants to get it. And, because you know, you get a few more yards if you go with your head than if you just slide and give yourself up because that's where your stop stop. It doesn't stop where you slid to. It stops where right. you start to slide. But right. it's tough. And another game where the numbers didn't look good passing-wise, but another game in which they freaking put up a lot of points and win again. Yeah, and like I said, he scored two touchdowns. You know, Titans, they're not the best team out there, but they're, you know, they're no real, real pushover. So no. it looks like they're back on track. Um, we'll see how they do against uh, the the upper echelon teams in the AFC when it comes to time. Well, we don't have to worry. Wait 49ers, too long for that. 49ers put it on them, and they're, they're <coughs> definitely me. not in the 49ers class. Well, we don't have to worry about that too much later because they're about to go to Houston to take on the Texans, man. Bro, uh, CJ freaking Stroud threw three picks and still showed up. Get out of here with that, man. And off day, he can't be the GOAT every week. You can't be the GOAT every day, but you can still be the GOAT when you win the freaking game. And you're the reason why still. I mean, come on. You threw three picks and you still found a way to win that freaking game, throwing dimes, still making good decisions when it mattered, and winning the damn game when you had to win it. They already beat the Jaguars here. That's the reason why the Jaguars do have that one division loss in the AFC South. The Houston Texans came here and won. Now they're going out there. And now Stroud knows even more about you. He embarrassed you the first time. He knows even more about this Jaguar team. And it's still such a freaking anomaly that they're doing as well as they're doing without Trevor Lawrence putting up those ridiculous numbers. He hasn't done it yet, but I guess that's not the formula anymore. You know, years ago, we saw how the Baltimore Ravens went to a freaking Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer, and if he was able to yeah, have they, the Super Bowl, they, they, were, the game. they weren't scoring 33 points, though. They were no, winning exactly. 13 they were, to 10 or, or 16 saying, to 13. I'm just saying it's like the op complete opposite, though. 
You know what I mean? It's like this guy's not putting up any numbers or any real numbers. Well, yesterday was different. He accounted for four touchdowns, two rushing, two passing. And then Calvin really found, he found out that he could still play. So he comes out and get his third 100-plus yard game. And, of course, uh, Christian Kirk coming from Arizona last season. I didn't think he deserved the contract he got, but he got it. And he was not a bona fide first man, in my opinion, you know, a starting um, number one receiver. Now he's in his true form as a second receiver, making plays now. Calvin really, when he decides to play and get open, he did that. But Trevor Lawrence still, man, he just happens to win. And that's all that matters. I'm waiting around for the eye-popping game. But, shoot, you still win, win, win. And when it comes down to it, you've won. Right. And you mentioned three picks and still winning. The sorry-ass Bears got three interceptions, recovery, <laughs> and still lost. And it's the first time in history that a team has a four-to-one turnover ratio and has a 20-minute advantage in time of possession, and they lose the game. I, I, I don't know. I was speechless, man. I was watching that game, and I was like, see, man, I knew these lies are sorry. I'm losing to the Bears. And, and I knew they, it, bro. I was thinking about that, man. <laughs> I'm like, yo, don't to the Bears. I, I've been saying they're sorry. I know they're sorry. Then um, they had a chance to – they did the same thing Nebraska did. They got down there, Justin doing the dance. He, he had like a 30-yard run. And then they don't even try to score. They kicked the field goal, go up 12. Man. And um, Detroit even said it. Man, when they kicked the field goal – we were like, oh, they're, they're leaving the door open. Let's go down and score. They went down and scored. Yeah, and then man. typical Bears. Nah, need nah. a first down. Let's run it into the line. Second and 10. Timeout. Second down. Run it into the line. Timeout. <laughs> Third down. They threw a bomb, man. To uh, I, I can't even remember the guy's first name. The rookie receiver, fourth round pick. Scott, he's running, running, and then he kind of stutter steps, and then he misses the ball. Where you see my hands? Can you see yeah. my hands right here? Here's my hand. The ball was like right here. If he doesn't stutter step, he runs under it. Oh, they either yeah. tackle him and, or he's gone. Ball game. So they end up punting. Fifteen seconds were run off the clock in that possession. Man, Detroit so has the momentum. They go down and score again. Now now the Bears have to go down and score. Fumble, safety, kick kick the ball out the end zone. You go up you, in, in less than five minutes of gameplay, you went from up 12 to down five. How the hell does that happen? So how did Justin Fields look in that game? Did he look better or the he, same or what? Did he look like he improved any bit? So no, he, he looked a lot better. He was getting the ball out, and there are times where he didn't have anybody open, so he ran the ball. He had over 100 yards rushing. He Man. threw an absolute dime for a touchdown, like a 37-yarder maybe, 42-yarder. Um, beat the safety. The wide receiver had the corner beat. Um, he, he looked much better, but he was still – you can see him moving his hand around. His thumb still bothering him. So yeah, it's not 100 percent but he's still well enough he can grip it and throw it. He only threw for like 170 yards maybe. If you run it for but 100, man, that helps the whole the, game a lot. 
but it's the Bears' offense. So, you know, it's not like he passed 40 times. He looked he looked a lot better. And one thing they're saying on the radio is, if you're a three and seven team, whatever whatever the record is, and you don't know if your quarterback is your quarterback for the future, put him in positions where you can find out if he is your quarterback. Don't run it into the line. I'm screaming at the TV, please play action on first down. Play action. They had everybody in the fucking box. And maybe, I don't know if Justin has the ability or the, the permission to to call a play or to call an audible, but he should have known, man, this shit ain't going to work. Kill, kill, kill. Uh, but he didn't. They ran it straight into the line, two straight plays. It's third and long. And instead of, um, you know, trying to hit somebody on the short out or a, a slant, they went for it. And like I said, the throw was right on the money. For whatever reason, the dude stutter stepped and he didn't catch it. I was thinking, you know what? Maybe the NFL is rigged. Because, <laughs> I don't know, man. Too because if he ball. catches that ball, if he catches that ball, they're in field goal range, or they don't tackle him and it's a touchdown ball game. Maybe the Bears are supposed to lose, and they lost. I don't know. I'm just so mad. <laughs> why, why would if you're running full speed, why would you take a stutter step, slow down, and be like, oh, damn, I almost had it. <laughs> Right. I was this close. Well, why the fuck did you stutter step? Well, I don't know, man. So what do you think between him and Bajan now? You think that they're going to get rid of one? I mean, I don't think they get rid of Bajan. He's a lot cheaper. Justin still has to show more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he's, oh, he's, hopefully yeah, they just put him in position. Because, okay, maybe they want to see, oh, if we're down, let's see if he can lead us down the field for the game winner. But then you got to protect him, man. He dropped back. He got hit. The dude didn't even go for the for the sack. He went straight for the ball. Knocked the ball out. It's, it's rolling around. Darnell White kicks it out of the end zone. I mean, that's better than them falling on it for a touchdown. But still, he didn't have a chance on that play. <laughs> you hear that noise in the back? You know what it's about. Them damn Jets, boy. You hear that garbage truck backing up? You know what that means. And he's going to be gone. He's going to be the third string quarterback this week. Robert Saylor made a freaking decision that he should have made games ago by sitting this clown down. I still don't know why they even took him as the number two pick overall in the draft. I understood in typical Jets fashion of winning when we shouldn't have won and not getting Trevor Lawrence. And we could have been at least arguing in New York about him not getting the touchdowns that he's not getting now. But at least there's a bit wins behind it, allegedly. But this guy, Zach Wilson, has been nothing but putrid. In my opinion, I think he's probably the worst Jets quarterback I've ever seen for this long a period of time. I've seen a lot of trash cans. This guy is Tuesday. That's trash day. And Aaron Rodgers might be coming back. Yeah, he says he is, man. But I still can't believe an Achilles can heal that fast, even with breakthrough. New time. Maybe it wasn't a typical Achilles. Maybe it was. Well, there's only one Achilles injury you can have in a rupture. I'm just saying, man. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's a rupture. How, how could he come back? near 40. <laughs> Bruh. I mean, but either way, Tim Boyle comes in now. He's a cyborg. 
<laughs> Maybe he is. You never know. I, mean, <laughs> I wish he was. If he was a cyborg, he would have came back last week. <laughs> he doesn't feel pain. He just has tools inside. Oh, I, hold on, man. I, I got to say this. <clears throat> you who, you know who Dallas played yesterday, right? Dallas? Uh, oh, snap. You know what? I'll keep up They're on the game. clock. Oh, the Arizona Cardinals. The Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers. Okay, no, the I think you meant my on the clock for the beginning of the season. And I'm not, Arizona Cardinals. I'm not even following Panthers, They struggled a bit. I'm not even following this dude on Twitter or X now, whatever it's called. And I get a notification, Skip Bayless. How about them Cowboys? Really? They, exactly. Dude, they play the Panthers. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I had to reply. I had I had to reply. I said, only clowns would celebrate like this after being a team on the clock. Seriously. I mean, come on now. I mean, the Carolina Panthers are the bona fide worst team in football this year. Maybe lost the to the Bears. You know they're bad. They're terrible. And, and I did not think that Bryce Young would be this bad, but I don't know if it's just him or it's the team around him. I think it's a lot of both. I still think he has a promising career in the NFL, and I think because of what C.J. Stroud is doing, is making Bryce Young look even worse, you know, as the number one pick overall. But I, I still think that he's going to get it together when they start getting it together with their receiving core and their offensive line. The guy continues to get sacked, and he, he doesn't have much opportunity. You know what, to a degree – Zach Wilson had a lot of that going on, too. He was getting chased down, couldn't set. But, man, he's just been too bad too long, and it's not only an offensive line issue. It's a him issue when you're completing less than 60% of your passes as a professional. I still don't know for the life of me what the hell they saw in him coming out of freaking BYU. Come on, man. It just – I don't know. I really don't understand. But, is, you know what? Is it any coincidence Dallas looks good against bad teams? Uh, that's what that was what my Miami was doing that for a while until they finally got their game against a 500 team in the Raiders yesterday. That's 500. They still haven't been the two win teams they were beating in the past. <laughs> that's true. They're getting better, but they still haven't been the team with the winning record. Nope. No, they haven't. But yeah. but but if you want to put it in, in that context, they haven't looked as good as the Dolphins against bad teams. Oh, no, no, no. The Dolphins do what they're supposed to do against bad teams. They blow them out. And one of those bad teams is not so bad anymore. The freaking Denver Broncos. You had 70 dropped on them. Now those guys kind of woke up a little bit. Still having a real opportunity at the AFC West. I know, of course, Kansas City is going to win. But, man, I can argue with them against the Raiders. I can argue with them against the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers are a disappointment. You know, the Raiders are the Raiders, but – Props to the Broncos. They yeah. could have shut down, and, and they could have had a 2-15 and 15 season, but they've turned it around. Russell Wilson's playing better. Yeah. Um, obviously, that defense is playing better. You know, They're not giving up 50 or even 40, let alone 70. So I don't know what Payton's doing down there. Maybe he went the hardball route. He's got the signals or something. <laughs> But you know what? If we're going to talk about teams that's kind of making a little bit of a move. We can at least talk about a play that made a hell of a move. No one, I think, saw coming after his previous starts or start. Tommy DeVito, an undrafted player, man, with the Giants. Three touchdowns over 240 yards, and they go on the road and beat the Redskins. This is one of those elimination pool games. Take the freaking Redskins, man, before the game starts. 
There's no way the Giants have a shot. They're barely winning against the Jets. Well, they're not even winning against the Jets. And then they go on the road and beat Washington, and we already know what this NFC East is about regards to what's going down. They're going to play each other hard as hell. And we got another one of those games coming up tonight. Well, not yeah. an NFC East game, but a team from the NFC East is playing on Monday night. The Philadelphia it, Eagles. That was crazy. I, I did not expect the Giants. Um, hell pretty, no. Nobody expected the Giants to win. Man, been, we'll see can't do it two weeks in a row. You know what? I I don't even know. Tommy DeVito, I can't even get any reference from when he was playing in college at Illinois. I don't even know. You know what I mean? You heard his name, but you never paid attention because Illinois wasn't doing anything. Now, this guy struggled like hell, as he should, because you did have Daniel Jones in there taking up the snaps. You're not going to get an undrafted guy a bunch of snaps. But he goes in to Washington. That that blows my mind. If he would have gotten 46 yards, I'd have been impressed. 246? And three touchdowns and the win, man. I think he might start uh, throw some bleach on that black jacket, make it a yellow jacket. Yeah. He might be going in the Hall of Fame. Come on now. Only caveat is the, the Commanders did trade their two defensive ends, so their yeah, defense they did. they did defense. You know, leaves a lot to be desired. I keep coming to the Redskins, and it's not a slip of the tongue. It's not a Freudian. Slip. I know. I usually do it too, but today I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I say Commanders, <laughs> man. But like yeah, I call, I call. Basketball team in Washington, the Bullets. Bullets, right? The Washington Bullets basketball team. I mean, I don't, I, I rarely get it mixed up like that, but I remember those doggone Bullets, man. Just I, I just think it's ridiculous. Too many people are getting shot, so we changed the name of the team. Oh, man, man. Guess what? They stopped getting shot now. I'm glad in DC. <laughs> there's no more murder. You change your basketball name. Now it's the most peaceful city in the country. Not, not everybody. Not everybody does magic tricks. <laughs> Now, what's going on down in Orlando for that matter? Come on, man. Everybody's Mickey Mouse now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, man. Oh, and, and since we're talking basketball, man, all these Lakers fans, come on, man. LeBron, did you see what LeBron did last night? But did you see what happened? He had a great game. Okay, but you had nothing to say when they got dealt with in Houston yeah, just two games ago when Dylan Brooks was – was uh flexing on him and, and all that. Brooks gave oh, it man. to him. He gave it to him. Yeah. Come on, that's a regular season game. Pump the brakes. We need playoff mode. That's what we need. We need activated playoff mode <laughs> after the all-star break. Right I mean, now, he, hey, you know what? And I wonder, you know, people who don't like him, they're saying this is pat, stat padding. Bro, he's trying to win a game with all his points. They're not winning that game. And how well, about, you got Shannon Sharp calling him the go, but oh, what was that talk after the Houston, the first time they played Houston? But we Come on, man, relax. Wait, they're, what, 10 games into the season? Chill out. But we know Shannon Sharp is ready to go to war over LBJ. We saw what happened with John Morant's pops and the whole deal. You know, all that stuff with uh, Shannon Sharp and his little love fest for LBJ. But, yeah, man, Kate Cunningham. Another player playing for Detroit. I thought a nice young team with some of some talent, including Kate Cunningham. He's dissing his own team, saying, "Yo, bro, we're the worst team in the league." <clears throat> Eleven straight losses. Says you're correct. You gotta say it. Someone has to say it. But what's up with Zion, man? He's over here criticizing. Uh, was it players or coaches? I don't know. Man, he's the one. He's the, one sense, all, he's the one with the scandals in the offseason. Trying to turn hookers into housewives and whatnot. <laughs> really? Buying in, buying in, you've been hurt, overweight, 
Come on, man. Did you show up in shape? Now, now people take you seriously. Oh, but he, he's still a little overweight. And yeah, he's trying to call out other people that they're not buying in. Dude, I don't think he even played the other night. What are we talking about? Why is he not playing? Is he just injured or getting one of these rest periods this early in the season or what? You guess it's as good as mine. I don't know. I was watching and I was like, there's no Zion. Why not? The dude's talent. There's no question about his freaking talent. Now, his concentration, now he's, he'll, be, he'll be paying a bunch of child support to porn stars and whatnot. But I don't know where his mind's going to go from there. But God, man, he has the talent, man. All he has to do is stay healthy, stay disciplined. And the discipline part comes from not looking at a buffet he can't refuse. You know, and it's just, I, I, I don't feel bad for him because I don't think he's doing anything bad. I just think he's doing detrimental things to himself, dealing with these types of people on the outside. Yeah, I just don't think it's a good look when you're coming off the offseason that he had and you're oh, telling yeah. other people. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about people <laughs> buying in. Yo, when you, were, when you should have been working out, what were you doing? You were working out somewhere else. Yeah, man. For the waist down. What's up with those legs? <laughs> he can't even get up in the sky anymore. And aside from Zion Williams, man, let's start talking about some reality here. The best team in the league, probably not anymore. The Denver Nuggets, man, they're really feeling the loss of Jamal Murray. Yeah, he's the second best player on that team. You know, he's a he's a deadly shooter. He, I mean, that's 20-something points a night they got to replace. Bro. But it, it's still early. I know, but they lost to Cleveland on the road. Even You know, they make it look so easy. And I know Jokic is still putting up the numbers. Cleveland's no pushover, though. You know, I think they beat the, the Warriors, even though I'm not high on the Warriors. Like, yeah. they... They told the Warriors, you ain't coming in here and just running run us out the gym. They worked them. Well, Phoenix has started picking up a little bit now, too. They still waiting for Bradley Beal. He's coming back from his back injury. I don't know when. I don't think there's even And Russell Westbrook's so miserable playing with Harden. He's like, man, bring me off the bench. Yeah, he's on the bench, man. man. He, he, you know how miserable he has to be? He's like, oh, I don't give a fuck. I'll sit on the bench. Let me know when it's time to go in. <laughs> Man, he's not he's even going to play with Harden, man. I don't blame him. He's not even complaining, man. He's just like, yo, just, bro, just, just put, take me off the bench, man. I, and I, and you know what? That, that props to Russ because he, he could be a malcontent if he wanted to. Man, I was playing well. Now you bring this fucking scrub in here. He's hogging <laughs> up the ball. man. But he just, he's being a soldier. Hey, just bring me off the bench. Man, well, you know what? I, I can dig that. This is the tail end of his career, you know what I mean? And I remember he said before, you know what, a championship is not going to define me. I hate players who say that, but he said it. A championship is not going to define me because it makes it seem like once you get comfortable, you probably are going to be in cruise control. You know who says that? You know who says that? What? Or things like that? Players who haven't won championships. That's true. But he's had opportunities at championships. (laughs) And, bro, you would think after getting a taste at the competition and that ring being so close that you're like, damn it, I just got to get it before I leave. You know I mean? That's the reason why Dame leaves the, the trailblazers and comes to the Milwaukee Bucks because he's one of those players, even though he was like, they can build around me, I'm going to stay here, I'm never going to leave the trailblazers. Well, just as quick, uh-huh. we're out. I he's think his thing was, Milwaukee. he'd be fine if they were contenders. But, you know, if they made it to the conference finals again or the second round, he's like, okay, we're in the mix. Think he would stay there, but he looked around like, Man, this team is trash. Yeah, get me the hell out of here. And I can't blame him for that. But 
if they were contenders, if he had guys he could he could run run with, I don't think he would have requested a trade. And then you know Sacramento going into Dallas and beating them, that's well obviously shocking. I don't think Sacramento is sneaking. Up I don't think it's shocking. Really, I mean in Dallas. Because look, I don't think Sacramento like last season they stuck up on people. I don't think anyone saw this coming with Sacramento the way they played last year. Now they're expected to do something, so teams are going to put up their best game allegedly at home, especially, and they come in and they're just better than they're better than Dallas, and they just went in there and said, "Look, we're better than you. We're going to show it." Well, I, I think Sacramento's well, taking they're taking that step up that that I asked, will they be able to do it? I think they're doing it. Did Kyrie play um, that game? Because I know he was missing the game a week, a, a couple of days ago. Uh, I think. I wonder if it's a continuous thing or did he just not play one game? I don't know. You know I didn't keep up with that game. I just saw the score. And I was a little bit like perturbed. Not even perturbed, just surprised a little bit. Check, but um, can't sleep on the T Wolves either, man. No, the T Wolves, bro. All right, the T Wolves, man. And that's I was expecting the way they're playing now is what I expected last season because of the way they played the season before. I thought would lead to the way they're playing now. But, yeah, the, the T-Wolves are getting it early, got a lot of young legs in that team, and now they're knowing how to win, and they're, they're taking chances. And, yo, they're, they're one of those young teams that we even talked about. OKC still doing it. Orlando still doing it. Minnesota probably leapfrog uh, Orlando in terms of a young team that's going to have much more potential. I think playing in the FIBA games was uh, really good for Ant. Um yeah. He was probably the best player on that team. And it seems to, you know, he's carried over. I mean, he was a hell of a player last year, but now he's just like, he's taking control late in games. And and that's what they needed. Somebody who's going to close out games. But did you see the three-pointer Chet hit to tie the game against the Dubs? No, I did not see that. Oh, man. They were down three, hit a crazy three. That's a freaking um, beat. Three- Pretty much at the buzzer to send into overtime, and then OKC worked them in overtime. They won by like eight. Man, I just like that team, man. I mean, but Chad, I was expecting this last year. We had to wait a whole year, kind of like we did with Blake Griffin when he had gotten injured in his rookie year when everybody was anticipating the number one pick overall out of Oklahoma. I thought without the knee injury, he would have been a super duper star. Never lived up to it. I don't think he had really recovered from that knee injury, you know, being as as the, his leaping ability was the biggest reason why he was was going to be, you know, the, the top one of the top players. But yeah, man. But Chet Holmgren, same spot, puts on a little bit of weight for his standards, probably even a lot of weight, twelve pounds so far. You lose weight during the season, but he, hey, he has that unicorn touch. Reminds me of Porzingis, even Porzingis the other night, making things happen as well for the for the Celtics. Yeah, I think um, the Celtics almost look better without Jalen Brown. At least right now. The way it looks, yeah. They got comfortable with him. Um, in, in the beginning of the season, I said if Porzingis be due between 14 and 19 points a game, shoot, mm-hmm. man, this team might be unbeatable. Right now he's at 19.8. Still early, obviously. But I think he has his groove and found his spot. And yeah. Jalen Brown can get hot, can get really hot, hit some tough shots, hit some threes, take people to the basket. But I don't know if that's to the benefit of the team. Well, uh, you know what? I just, and, and they already play defense. Drew Holiday is just doing what Drew Holiday does. He doesn't have to put up double digits. Well, he he almost blew it, though. He went for a dunk when he could have just uh, laid it up a bit. Right. It off the clock. Oh, all right. Um, they were up two, 
and he went for his dunk and missed it, and then they got the rebound. Like, oh shit, he missed the dunk. Yeah. So these players, man, too damn good for their own good. But yeah, yeah man, the NBA. I, this early part of the NBA, we always wait for Christmas to say the NBA is now officially here. Man, there's been some pretty damn good games, good damn matchups already this early in the season. Damn good storylines. You know, you see what's going on with what's going on uh, with the Warriors, and you see, I, I saw uh, what's his name? Oh, damn point guard, freaking Chris Paul. So Chris Paul trying to put up numbers the other day in another losing effort. But, hey, man, they can't win without Steph. That's what it comes down to. Even if they had the big man they needed, I don't think it does anything if Steph's not there. That's true. Depending on who that big man is, or would be, obviously. But, yeah, they're not going anywhere without Steph. And I'm not sure they're going anywhere with Steph this year. The West is just too deep. They're probably going to be in the playing game. I don't know. I just I don't I don't see good things for the Warriors. Man, and I don't know, man. I I don't know. It's it's hard to see the old guard kind of leave and to see how it's leaving. You know what I mean? You see the core <clears> of that team is getting older now. They're getting more injured, and then you see with Thompson, his his shots not making it. You know, he just things aren't going the way, you know, just aren't going the way they were expecting. They bring in Chris Paul for whatever reason they decide to bring him in for. I don't know. Kind of the same reason why they brought in uh the, the Memphis Grizzlies brought in Derrick Rose for freaking John Morant. And that hasn't paid any dividends. I mean, just being out there without John Morant hasn't paid any dividends. But yeah, that Warriors team, man, just man. We've been talking how how Clay's shot has been off, how he's not making threes. <clears throat> how he's lost his stroke. I think he's shooting like 33% from three this year. That's an all-time low for him. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then on ESPN, they were talking about it. We talked about it first, by the way. But they were talking about it on ESPN, and they were showing clips. They are showing him shooting wide open three air balls. Remember I talked about the shot that hit the side of the rim and then yeah. went off the backboard? Oh, he was just putting up. Bricks. I'm like, man, it's even worse than I thought because I don't watch all. <laughs> and I was like, are these all from the same from this season, or is this a, a compilation from his whole career? But it, I, I don't know what happened to that guy, man. <clears throat> could it be like a could it be like a pitcher or something, man? Or like we were talking about, like in baseball, where Steve Sachs can't play anymore in the infield. Maybe he's shooting it, hoping it'll go in. Rather than shooting it with confidence, if that makes any sense. You I don't know, know how I mean? a guy like that, that good, shooting threes the way he's been doing it his entire career, gets to that mindset of, I'm down on my freaking three-pointer. Bro, that's your better, bread and butter. You do better with your three-pointer than you almost do with your free throw. And he's just not getting any of it. Like, if you think about that one game where he had so many points and I think he had, like, three dribbles, like, it didn't matter. It, that night, it didn't matter who was guarding him, where he was on the court. Boom. Shooting with confidence. Shooting with confidence. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have that same mentality. And not that all oh, his shots should go in like that night, but I'm saying he was shooting with confidence. Whereas now, he's probably thinking too much. Like, like he might be thinking about his form. Is my elbow here? Is my finger spread wide enough? Wow, that's crazy. And my, who knows what's going through his head? I, I wouldn't. Am I getting enough rotation? He, there could be a lot of things going through his head. I don't know. Well, the worry. If, if I were him, I'm, on my day off, I would go to the basketball court 
and shoot until my arm fucking fell off. That's what I would do. <laughs> do a I would find action, my, man. Go out there for 12 I would hours. do whatever I, can, I could to find my stroke. I'd shoot from the fucking bleachers if I had to. Man, I, I, don't, I don't know how it even got to that point. But you know what? They're human too. They're just superhuman at what they do. And every now and then that time comes to where things aren't as natural as they once were, and you have to put the work in. He put in work. You don't get to the NBA if you don't put in work anyway. Regardless. No doubt. The D-League guy doesn't do that. So, yeah, man, these are top players who have that top talent, and they work with that top talent. That's why they become superstars. But at the same time, the older you get and things don't go the well, you see it fall apart as well. Even when you Might be time for the sports psychiatrist. You know what? It might be true. Boxers use them. And by the way, boxing, we'll be talking about that on Wednesday. David Benavides is going to take on Demetrius Andre. Boo-boo Andre. They're taking on for the 168-pound Super Middleweight Championship. We'll have a panel out on Wednesday live. So join us if you can. Join us if you want. We'll have a panel of people, boxing people, that know what the hell they're talking about. And we'll just talk about this fight and see what it should turn out to be on Saturday. I think it's not – I don't think the mainstream thinks it's a highly anticipated fight. I think it is because we don't know what the hell Boo-Boo is after all these years. We at least know <laughs> something about David, uh, David Benavides. He's a damn good fighter. And they call him, Mike Tyson called him the Mexican monster. And he's been beating the hell out of people just like a monster with the exception of Caleb Plant. And he still gave him a pretty good beating at the end of the fight. Yeah. Boo-Boo was hot, you know, he was a hot young prospect coming up, and then he just kind of disappeared into the background. He could never get a big fight. Now he has the big fight. We'll see if he responds and performs. And I'm that's sorry. why, you know, when I watched him as an amateur, and I remember in the Olympics, I thought he was the best American fighter in that Olympics that he had fought in. He was sharp. I was like, yeah, this is going to be one of those guys that breaks through, goes mainstream. He turns pro. He's a softball and, you know, I remember they say how boring Floyd Mayweather was, but Floyd Mayweather, I guess for those people who didn't know him, got boring as 147 pounds because at 130, he beating hell out of everybody. At 135 pounds, 140 pounds, asked Arturo Gotti if he could. And, you know, he was always sharp and looking good. And then he kind of settled down in his old age, and the hand issues made him have to really calculate what he was doing. Now you get someone like Andre, and he goes into the pro ranks. He doesn't fight the way he fought as an amateur. I don't think I don't, he improved. But then people looked at him, and the top guy didn't want to fight him. He's a softball. He's a slick softball, and he has a little bit of pop. And people just don't want to fight you. And that's the worst part about it. So Benavidez giving him this shot is a big thing to start with because no one was really trying to – no one with a name was trying to give him a shot. He was trying to get Charlo. Charlo had all this other stuff to say. And then now Benavidez giving him the opportunity. Canelo didn't want any of them. I don't know why, but we'll find out eventually. I mean, Canelo straight up called him out at a freaking press conference. He calls out Canelo. Canelo's like, yo, you didn't fight anybody. Just shitting on him. <laughs> he just crapped yeah, on him right there. Yeah, but that's bullshit because then Canelo fights somebody you could beat. Yes, probably so. But, it's a, you know, I, it just, I can only imagine how Boo Boo felt when Canelo said that in front of all those people, man. It's like, you didn't fight nobody, man. You fight nobody. You're not a good fighter. Oh, damn. To say that to a high-end fighter, <clears> throat> throat> we see them. Those guys see the post press conference, um, post fight press conference I ever saw was when Tarver was calling out Roy Jones after Ruin. And Roy was up there, he, you can see he started getting agitated. He's yeah. like, see, you're gonna make me mad. <laughs> and 
And Tarver said, well, get mad, sucker. I've been mad. <laughs> bro, Tarver was one of the best at the crap talking, bro. He, and he knows how to put his words. He's articulate as hell. And when he gets heated and start talking, he can talk. Because I remember I went to the Tarver fight against Roy, the third fight down in Tampa. I went down there with one of my UNF guys. And we went to the post-fight conference because we went as media members. No one gave a damn. We got there as media members. And I remember when Roy Jones and Tarver were sitting at the table. We had an invite to the after party. I don't go to parties, man. First of all, we was tired as hell. We had to go back to Jacksonville, three-hour trip. <laughs> and we said, oh, it, was, bro, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was, it was died out there. But anyway, this is Roy Jones at the press conference says, you know what? I don't have any something to this effect. I don't have any shame being number two in the world right now. He says, when do you ever think Roy would say something like that? Wow. In front of the media. And then all these other fighters started calling him out. Reggie Johnson calls out Antonio Tarver. And then the night before... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Glenn Johnson just fought on Friday Night Fights. He comes to with a couple of welts in his forehead, calling him out <laughs> with his wife by his side. <laughs> it was ill that night, man. It was everybody was calling him out. You know, like damn, man, this is how it is at this press conference, man. But hey, you know what? Tarver yeah, I, I met I met Tarver in Indianapolis for the uh, Shane Mosley uh, Vernon Forrest two uh, weigh in. Yeah, he, you know how you. You boxed. You've been around boxing. Yeah. You know how you can look at a guy like that dude's a boxer just by his frame and everything, right? Mm -hmm. He did not look like a boxer to me. He looked like some dude I pick up at the basketball. Who Tarver? Yo, you want to come on, let's run. He, he looked. He did not Tarver. He didn't look like a boxer to me. Yeah, but he, he played on the undercard. He actually played basketball very I'm well. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he didn't. He had that look of a boxer. No, he doesn't. I ran into him for the first time back in 1995 um, at the PL Nationals. You know, he was the light heavyweight, um, the number one light heavyweight in the world at the time. And back then there was no internet, so we got our magazines, you know, our uh, USA Boxing magazines every quarter, I believe, and we would see who was in the rankings, and he was number one in the world. This guy went up to Atlanta, I believe, and, you know, the U.S. boxing team fought the French boxing team, you know, right before the Olympics and all that, way before. He won that, came down to the Nationals, and then won that. And I remember going to him, I was like, um, so you plan on become champ one day, right? Stupid question. He's like, yep, that's the plan. Uh, you know, and I said something else to him. He's like, yep, that's the way it's going to go. And that's it. That's all I said to him. The dude ends up, had the best opportunity to win a gold medal at that Olympics, but he didn't, you know, he lost in the, you know, I think he had a bronze medal. Floyd got a freaking bronze medal. That was also the first time I saw him in person. And I said, yo, this dude's getting gold. He got robbed and got a bronze. And we saw his career turned out. But yeah, David Reed. There's a lot of shady scoring in those Olympics. Huh? I said I'm pretty sure there's a lot of shady scoring. Oh in God, those, come on, that crap. But anyways, because yeah, I saw Fernando Vargas fought. He didn't lose that fight to that dude. But Fernando Vargas, now he was actually in at my weight class at one point at 139, because that's back when Light Walter was 139, and they wanted to give the U.S. the best opportunity for a gold medal, so they moved him to 147. And they moved David Reed, who was at one is 47, dominating, to 156. So they wanted to have at least those two guys there. Zahir Rahim was also there, too. I think he was at Bantamweight. And, um, in fact, he's still a Facebook friend of mine. But Zahir Rahim was there. And uh, I think Lawrence Claybay was the heavyweight. Layman Brewster, I remember yeah. him because he was married to that chick that played Pam or Martin. And everybody went to take pictures with her. <laughs> and they wanted me to take, take their picture with her because I didn't take the pictures. And I didn't take pictures with him. But, anyway, it was, it was fun as hell. But yeah, Tarver, man, I gave him mad respect. And even in his pro career, because of what he did as an amateur, 
this dude's a dog, man. People don't know it until you're in the limelight and they finally get to see you as a dog. But you see what he did in the amateurs, you knew he was a dog. So it was no surprise if you caught up with him. Well, All right. I think that should do it, man. I think this is the longest show we've ever yeah, had. Okay, man. This is like a freaking marathon. But hey, you know what? And tomorrow we get to talk a little bit more because there is Monday night football coming on. Kansas City taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. A spectacular <laughs> game. We'll get to see who's real, who's not. My opinion is going to be Kansas City winning this one. But hey, they haven't moved the ball that well lately. Where is it? KC or Philly? KC and Philly. I said KC hasn't moved the ball as well. This but where, year. where is it? In KC? Oh, right. or I think it's in KC. Yes, yeah, in KC. So Philadelphia is going to have their work cut out for them, but still. I'm take I'll, the Eagles. Yeah, I'll take KC because, well, they're at home. And, you know, Arrowhead is a hard place to play. Weather doesn't matter. It gets cold in Philly, too, if it's even going to be cold in Kansas City. But nevertheless, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll get on top of that, and we'll be able to talk about some more of what happened on Monday Night Football, even touch on some of these NFL games we didn't get to today and the rest of the sports world. Sports Bag Bros, signing off. Deuces.